If you would, uh, open with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we are finishing our series called Seek First today. This is our last uh, installment on this session. How many of you enjoyed this so far? Amen. I think it's been great. I've really enjoyed it as well. And as we wrap up this series, what I wanted to do is I wanted to circle back around today and look at this theme verse in the context that it was given. Um, and of course, our theme verse has been Matthew 6.33 that says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And we've looked at the definition for the kingdom of God. I hope that over the last six or seven weeks, you've had that hammered into your brain. How many of you will remember that from now on when you see the, the, the kingdom of God mentioned in Scripture, that the kingdom of God is made up of God's people? Say God's people. In God's presence. Experiencing God's, wait, no, living under God's rule and experience his blessing. You don't have to say that. Anyway, so... This is the kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about seeking first, and we've spent time looking at what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God, and, and how do we do that in different parts and areas of our lives, and so we looked at seeking God's kingdom in our marriages, and in our family life, and in our other relationships, and, and in our work and career life we looked at last week. And today what we're going to be talking about, as we look at the context of where this verse was, we're going to be talking about something that's very important to all of us, something that we all really care about a lot, but that all of you hate when I talk about in church. What could that be? <laughs> wow! Wow, overwhelmingly, everybody understands what I'm talking about when I said that. Money, we're talking about money today. Now, this is not something I enjoy talking about. Um, I've shared with some of you uh, the, the, the struggles that I had talking about finances and handling our finances God's way. I, I struggled with that the first few years of being a pastor until I felt like I was rebuked by the Lord. How many of you have ever felt the rebuke of the Lord from time to time? Yeah. And, and anyway, it's not something that I, I enjoy necessarily talking about, but I want you to experience God's blessing in your finances. I want you to experience the kingdom of God, which comes with the blessing of God in your finances. How many of you want that? You want God's blessing on your finances. I think all of us in here do. And so as uncomfortable as it is for, for maybe me to talk about it and maybe even more uncomfortable for you to hear about it, the end of the day why I'm doing this is I, I want you to experience God's overflowing blessing in your finances. And there are, some, there are some key principles that as God's people who are empowered by God's Spirit, what we need to do is live under God's authority in His Word when it comes to finances to experience His blessing in that area. And so I, I, 
I want to share this with you today. I think it will be a blessing for you. I think it could transform your life and that it could transform your family's life if you put these into practice in your life. And so I want to read our passage today from Matthew uh, chapter 6. It is a lengthy passage, but I just want to read it to you. It's the words of our Lord. I believe it will be a blessing to you today. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and dust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. What Jesus is talking about here is with regards to wealth, money, material possessions, that if we're constantly looking at what other people have and saying, I want that, I need that, that it's not going to be good for us, it's not going to be healthy for us, which you can't even watch television without falling into that trap, right? The, the commercials are designed to, to come bring light into your soul, and that light that's transmitted is saying, buy this, you need this, you need Coke, you need Cialis, you need whatever uh, to, to make your life go, right? You, you need something, and if you only had this, everything would be great. I'm, I'm not sure why those are the two things that I could think of off the top of my head, but <laughs> nevertheless... That's what happens when I don't stick to my notes. Jesus is saying that we have to pay attention to what we let into our eyes and, 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 and mind what we focus on. Moving on. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says the two masters that you cannot serve are God and money. You have to pick one. You're either going to work for money or you're going to work for God. We talked last week about working for God, serving God in the workplace. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Man, I need to hear that. I need to hear that. I need to read that. I need to let that go down deep. The, the anxieties, the cares of this life, the worries of this life, Jesus says, look, God is in control and all your worrying and all your fretting and all your anxiety and all of your, if this happens, then this will happen, then this will happen. Jesus says, that can't add not a minute to your life. Your heavenly father is in control. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is burned, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, that is not God's people. That's, the, that's Jesus' way of saying the world people who aren't a part of God's family. He's saying that's what the world seeks after. Those are the cares that they have. The world, the Gentiles, they seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What things? The clothing, the food, the shelter, all of the provisions that we need for daily life. Jesus says, that they will be added unto you if we will seek first his kingdom. 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Amen. Why worry about tomorrow? You've got problems today. Thanks, Jesus. Okay, so what I wanna do today is I wanna start uh, with some big picture ideas about what the Bible says about finances, what the Bible says about possessions, what the Bible says about God and our relation to him with regards to finances. I want to start with some big picture ideas, throw out some, if you will, theory for you, and then at the end I want to come behind with several points of very practical ways that we apply this idea, these big ideas to our life. So we're going to start zoomed out And we're going to end up really dialed in, zoomed in very closely and carefully. So point number one today that you need to know that the Bible says about possessions, money, material, finances, all of these things. Number one, God owns everything. God owns everything. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything. The world and those who dwell therein. So not only does God own everything material that he has made, that's why he owns it, because he is the creator, he also owns all the people. You belong to God, amen. You belong to God. He is your creator. God owns it all, everything. He owns, the Bible says, the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of hills and that's a lot of cows. He, he owns everything everything. God owns the moon. God owns the stars. God owns the sun. God owns Mars. God owns all the planets, all the dust on every planet, in every galaxy, in the entire universe. If there's another universe, God owns that too. God owns everything. Amen. This is the first thing you need to know about possessions, finances, money. God owns everything, rightfully. So then, what does that mean for the stuff that we, quote unquote, own? What does that mean for the the numbers in our own bank account? Like, when I go down to my bank and go to the teller, and they they say, you know, write your name, it's not God's name on the account, it's my name. So, So, So what does that mean? If God owns it, how how does that relate to me? What is my place and part that I play in this if it belongs to God? The Bible's view of your possessions, your money, your wealth, 
is that you are a steward. You are a steward of God's possessions, God's finances, God's resources, God's wealth. So that what you have, the Bible says, has been entrusted to you, has been sovereignly, providentially given to you by God. You do not own anything. God owns everything. We are only stewards. A steward is someone who is a caretaker, a manager for someone else. Now, this is something we've, been talk- we've talked about a few times lately and recently. But the truth is we need this revelation from God about our possessions, Truthfully, I don't wake up in the morning and think when I start my car that I'm starting God's car. I'm starting my car. And when I get home and I put my key in the door, it's, I'm thinking about it, it's my key and it's my house. But truthfully, the, the revelation that we need and that we need to, to filter into the way we think and the way that we act and the way that we live is that it's not mine. It belongs to God. You know, when I was a kid, um, there, there was a, a strong emphasis on that the, the church was God's house. How many of you were taught that as a kid? The church is God's house. And so if you see a piece of trash on the floor, what do you do? You pick it up. Why? Because this is God's house. And, and we take care of God's house. And we give our best at God's house. That, that was the, the teaching that I received as, as a child. And, and that is true. I believe that. I believe that when this, this place, it belongs to God. But the same can be said of your house. It's also God's house. Now, it's not set aside for worship in the same way that this building is, but it is. In, he possesses it. He owns it. He owns your car. He owns your clothes. He owns your money. He owns your life. God owns it all. So you are a steward. So you might be thinking, what do you mean it belongs to God? I worked hard for those things. I put in hours. I worked 80 hours a week for 10 years to be able to afford the house that I have and the life that I live. And I earned those things. You might be tempted to think that. I might be tempted to think that. What does it mean? How, how is it that the work that I do, God gets credit for? That doesn't seem fair. Let me ask you a question. Who gave you your mind? God. That's the, the answer. God gave you your mind. Who gave you the ability to think? God. Who gave you the, the ability to, to put plans into place and to, to, to strategize and, and make a business plan or, or, or do hard at work or work hard at, at work? Who, who gave that to you? God. It is a gift from God. Who gives you your strength? God. Who saw to it that the earth produced food so that you could eat? God. Who causes the sun to shine? God. Who has given you your life? God. Who gives you breath? God. Who owns the air you breathe? God. You know, you don't don't even own the air in your lungs that belongs to God. You're just renting it, borrowing it. 
God owns it all. And so everything that is produced from all of our work, we think that we earned it. God has given it to us. It is a gift from him. In the book of James, it says, every good and perfect gift is a gift from the heavenly Father above. Everything good that we experience in this life, it belongs to God. Deuteronomy 8, 18, the Bible's explicit on this point, just so that we get it. He says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. What Moses, who's writing to the children of Israel here as they're about to go into the land of promise where they would experience God's bountiful and fruitful blessing, he's saying, when you go into that place, remember that it's God who brought you here. Remember as you experience the blessing of God that it is he who has given you this ability to begin with. Amen. So the number one thing, okay, so we're stewards. God owns it all. I'm a manager. It's my job to take care of what God has given me. What is God looking for in me as a steward? What does, it want, what does he want from me? What does he require of me? The number one thing God is looking for in the people who manage his resources is that they are faithful, that they are faithful stewards. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. This past spring, as we looked at the parables of Jesus, and we looked at that one parable of the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant, what was the master who represented God? What was he looking for as he entrusted his possessions to his stewards? He was looking for faithfulness, faithfulness. And what this means is, that we, as stewards, manage what is entrusted to us according to the will of the one it belongs to. That stewards, for stewards to be faithful, we must manage what has been entrusted to us according to the will of the person it belongs to. And so that's according to the will of God so that we manage now our finances according to the will of God. And where do we find the will of God? The will of God is found in the Word of God. The will of God is found in the Word of God. You want to know what God's will is? Open His Word. Open His Word. There's a soapbox over there, and I'm trying to stay away from it. And I, I did. I dodged it carefully. Everybody say, thank God. It would have been, it would have been bad. The, the will of God is found in the word of God. We have God's revealed will in his word. God is looking for people who are faithful stewards, who will manage their finances according to his will and according to his Word. Luke 12, 48 says that everyone to whom much is given, of him much more will be required. And from him who is entrusted much, they will demand the more. Here's what I want you to see. That with every blessing, with everything that's been entrusted to you, there comes an equal 
burden and weight of responsibility to manage it for God the right way. For every blessing, there is an equal responsibility to steward, to manage, to take care of that blessing the right way. So in, in the book of Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm gonna, there's going to be kings that come from you. I'm going to bless you. And through you, Abraham, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. So part of receiving the blessing is to then manage it well and steward it well according to God's word in a way that is a blessing to others. So that the blessing doesn't only come to us, but God brings his blessing through us. And so with every blessing comes responsibility. God is our father, and God is a good father. And he, he knows us, and he knows our life, and he knows where we are. And God will not give you a blessing if you are not ready to handle the burden of the responsibility that comes with that blessing. I'm going to say that again. God, because he is a good father, he will not give you a blessing that you are not ready to handle the responsibility that's attached to that blessing. This verse says it so clearly. To whom much is given, much is required. That's weight. That's burden. That is responsibility. So there are times in life where we say, God, I... I'm asking you for this blessing. We're talking about finances today. God, I'm asking you for this raise or for this bump or for this new car or new vehicle or whatever it is that, that we need. God, would you bless me with this? And it seems like God says no. And, and to us, we say, Lord, I don't understand. Like, wh why aren't you blessing me with this? And the truth is that God will not give you a blessing until you're ready to handle the responsibility. So me, as a, as a father, we, we can look at it in earthly terms. You know, there are times where my children, they will come to me and they will jump in my lap and um, they will say, Daddy, take us to Six Flags. We want to go to Six Flags. Take us to Six Flags right now. And here's what I don't do. As a good father, I don't go and pull the keys off the keychain and throw it to my seven-year-old and say, you want to go to Six Flags? Knock yourself out. The car's right out front. I'm giving you my car. I am blessing you with this. Have a great time. Be home by nine. That's not the way it works. Why? Because to her, now, now is a vehicle a great blessing? Of course it is. Right? I mean, I, I've got an automobile and drove here today. If I didn't, I would still be walking here and I would show up very sweaty. So I'm, I'm very glad for vehicles that have air conditioner. Yes, they are a huge blessing to those who are able to handle the responsibility. If I gave my seven-year-old daughter a car, 
It would not be a blessing to her because she's not able to handle the responsibility. If I let my seven-year-old go out in, with the keys to the car, she would kill herself. She can't handle the responsibility that comes with that. Now, hopefully through the process of her life of growing and maturing and taking on more responsibility and proving herself that she is a responsible person, hopefully at some point I can throw her the keys and say, have a great time. I'll see you at nine o'clock. Right? Hopefully. That's what we hope for our children. My children are little. I haven't raised teenagers yet. I haven't experienced that wonderful thing. I have a plan, and we all have plans until you have teenagers, and then all your plans go down the drain, but thankfully, I'm, I'm still living in my, my fantasy land of my plans and how, how wonderful it's going to be. Anyway, the, the point being that, that now, now my kids, they think they can drive the car. That's the funny thing. Half the time when I get in the van, Heather's vehicle, to go drive somewhere, I turn the car on. The stereo's on 100%. The, the air conditioner's on the heater. The windshield wipers are doing this. The brights are on. And I'm like, what has been going on in here? And she's like, oh, Asher was driving the car after we got out the other day. You know, he's sitting there just, he thinks he can do it. And sometimes we think that we can handle a certain blessing and God's looking at it saying, you're not ready. You're not able to handle it yet. The, the responsibility that comes with this, you're not ready to bear it. It won't be a blessing to you. It will be a curse. It will be a burden. Now, God is sovereign. God is omniscient. God sees the end from the beginning. He's not bound by time. God knows when we're ready and when we're not. We need to learn to trust him. But how can, how can you know if you're ready to handle it? Well, I would say look at, look at your pattern of life. We're talking about finances today. How have you managed your finances up to this point? Have you, have you stewarded them well according to God's word? What, what has been your track record so far in your finances? Does it look like you're ready to take on more? Or does it look like if more was added to it, it'd just be more fuel to the fire that's just constantly consuming and burning everything up? Look at your finances. Does it, have you been faithfully stewarding what you've been given? Luke 10, uh, 16.10 says that one who is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. The one who is dishonest in very little will also be dishonest in much. Matthew 25, 21, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So the question for you today, and this is between you and God. This isn't between you and me. I don't look at people's giving records. I don't you know, get up on Monday morning and go on the computer and how much did so-and-so give? I, I don't watch that. I see the big number, but I don't go and look at individual giving records. So this is not between me and you. This is between you and the Lord. How have you been managing your finances for him up until this point? Does your track record show that you're ready to take on more responsibility? Or does it show something else? Number three, your finances reflect your heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Your finances reflect what's in your heart. You wanna know what's important to you? You used to say, look at your checkbook. Who has one of those anymore? You wanna know what's important to you? Pull out your app and look at what you're spending money on. That'll, that'll tell you right there what's important to you, what you value, what you treasure. Your finances reflect your heart. Jesus says, if you store up treasure in heaven, then your heart will be there as well. This is why God cares about how we spend our money, because our money is a reflection of our heart. So, laying up treasure in heaven, how do I do that? Jesus says, don't just amass treasure here on earth, but put it in heaven. Well, how do I do that? When I, when I deposit money into my bank account, like heaven is not one of the options on there. How do I move my treasure from earth to heaven? Let me tell you some ways. When you support missions, you're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. When you serve the poor, you're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. When you give to your local church, you're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. When you help the single mom buy groceries or pay her light bill or put uniforms on her kids that are going to school, you are laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. When you give to those who don't deserve it and who could never repay you, you're laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. Materialism and consumerism, the air that we breathe in this culture, materialism and consumerism, they are the enemies of laying up treasure in heaven. Laying up treasure in heaven is saying, you know what, I will sacrifice here in this area so that I can support missions, so that I can give to my local church, so that I can help the needy and help the poor. I will do with less so that I can give more. That's laying up treasure in heaven. That's saying, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to let the culture dictate to me how I live my life because I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. Because I don't have the same values as the culture. Because my worth is not determined by the car that I drive, by the house that I live in, by the clothes that I wear. Those are all material things. They're going to burn one day. But there are things souls for the kingdom of God that will live on for eternity. That's where we need to be investing our life, our time, our energy, our resources, our money. Amen. Thank you, that one person. God bless you. <laughs> now, now I'm going to get practical. I said I would start big picture. This is where all of you are going to be mad at me by the end of this message, okay? Five practical points on managing your money from God's word. Number one, if you are married, you do your finances together as one. I hear a lot of amens from the wives in the congregation. Curious. The Bible says that what God has joined together is one flesh. Part of becoming one in marriage is we manage our household and our finances together. See Mark chapter 10, verse 8. See Proverbs chapter 31 and see how that wife was very much involved in the spending and the managing of the household and the funds. Marriage needs to be done. Finances need to be done together in marriage. That means I don't keep a separate account over here that Heather doesn't know about. 
And she doesn't keep a separate account over here that I don't know about. That we are one. We have one big pot. That means it's not her money and my money. It is our money. Whether she makes more or I make more, it is our money. Because we are one. An important part of becoming one in marriage is getting on the same page with your finances. And if you are not willing to trust your spouse in the area of finances, it is not a money problem, it is a marriage problem. It is a trust issue that needs to be dealt with and confronted and worked through. Amen, Pastor Matt. I'm going to have to amen myself through this whole section. Number two, spend less than you make. Another way to put that is don't go in to debt or don't spend money that you don't have. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Spend less than you make. Don't spend everything that you get. When Uncle Sam gives back to you the money, some of the money that he stole from you throughout the year and you get your tax return, it's not time to head to Best Buy or to Red McCombs, or to La Quintera Mall, or to the nail salon. Well, I deserve it. I deserve it. Don't talk to me about what you deserve according to the Bible. Listen, spend less than you make. Wisdom, wise people conserve. They store up for the future. Folly fools spend whatever they get. Whatever comes in, it goes out. They're not managing it well. They go on sprees. They go out to dinner with friends, and they, they want people to think highly of them, so they pull out MasterCard and pay for everyone when you're struggling to keep the light bill on. Listen, that's not wise. Amen. Thank you, Roger. God bless you. Number three, it gets worse. <laughs> Have a monthly budget. Have a plan for your money. It's one of the most important parts of life. It's something that we care about deeply, yet so many people have no plan whatsoever. Have a plan. Have a game plan. Have an idea that is more than just well, we made it through the month. Thank God there was five pay periods this month. Oh, I love those months. Right? Like uh, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. Have a plan Stick to the plan. When a great deal comes up that wasn't on the plan, 
we have a plan. This great deal isn't part of the plan. Do we need this great deal? No. Is God telling us to buy this great deal? Well, I don't know. Let's consider it. Let's pray. How about that? Pray before you make big purchases. Why would we do that? Well, because it's not our money. It's God's money. God, this seems like a really great deal. Is this something that I should spend your money on? Well, if I do that, I'll never get blah, 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 blah. Does, does it not say he will add all of these things unto you? God knows what you need. Trust him. Have a plan, monthly, a budget. Stick to the plan. Number four, be generous. No amens. Okay. Be a giver like God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 6 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Be generous. Don't be tight-fisted. Nobody likes a tight wad. I could get an amen from my wife on that one. I tend to be kind of the, I know it's a great deal, but who cares? I, that's kind of my camp. But we can be generous. We can be giving. We don't have to hold on to things so tightly. Why? Because they don't belong to us. It belongs to God. God, tell me where to go. Tell me where to spend. Tell me how to invest. Show me the right places. God, show me where I can give and expect nothing in return because it blesses and honors you to be generous and cheerful and to be a giver. And number five, support with your finances your local church. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 9, Proverbs 3, 9 says to honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all that you produce. This word first fruits, it means your first and your best. That when God blesses us and he pr provides for us, we honor the Lord by giving back to him our first and our best. Don't wait till the end of the week or the end of the month to give. There might not be anything left. Give at the beginning. Give when it comes in and watch how God will bless and multiply and stretch and add to and bring in deals and do all kinds of stuff that you've never could imagine. First fruits, first and best. It's part of how we acknowledge that it belongs to God and it honors God when we give to him. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is in preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. First Corinthians 9, 14 says, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. These are five practical. I could put up a, a list of 50 today, but you might all get out your pitchforks and run me out of here. 
There's a lot that the Bible has to say about money. These are five very practical ways that you can manage God's money, God's way. If you're married, do it together. Spend less than you make. Have a monthly plan. Be a giver. Be generous and support your local church. These are so clear in Scripture. And this is how we can show God and prove to God that we're ready to handle more more resources, more responsibility. In conclusion today, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed in your finances. I want you to experience God's kingdom breaking into this area of your life as one of God's people who is empowered by his spirit, who sees these truths in his word. If you will put them into practice, I promise you, you will experience God's blessing in your life and in your finances. You might be here today and you say, man, I've got nothing. I live paycheck to paycheck. I have so little. Let me encourage you to, to stretch your faith. Begin somewhere. Start where you're at. Make a sacrifice somewhere. Maybe you like to buy tabloids. Like, sacrifice that for the Lord, you know? I don't know where that came from, but, you know, (laughs) there's something, something. You say, I have nothing, something somewhere. Begin to to, to serve, begin to give. Find an area where you can scrape something together and, and just begin to start giving. I don't know if you remember last week the story of the widow who had nothing. All she was able to scrape together was this tiny little cake that she made for the prophet and she gave it to him and wow God just took care of her miraculously we got to step out in faith believing stretching our faith exercising start somewhere listen if you have nothing I'm not asking you to write million dollars checks that that would be unwise but pray and ask God say God my heart is to be a giver Lord show me how where when the right way. God will do it. He's faithful. He will provide. He will take care of you. God honors faithfulness, and God honors and blesses faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the time that we've had here together as a church family. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for Destiny Church. That is so faithful in their giving. Lord, I thank you because of their faithfulness in giving that we are a debt-free church. We thank you for that. Lord, we praise you for that. We give you honor and glory for that. Lord, help us as a church body to, to steward and to manage the resources well according to your word, according to your principles. Lord, I know I've, I've laid a, a, a lot on this congregation today, but I pray that your word would speak to hearts. Lord, that you would build faith. Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing your word. Lord, that you would build faith within people's hearts that we could step out and out of the, the, the realm of this world and, and the, the kingdoms of the world and the thinking of the world. And Lord, that we would let your kingdom infiltrate our thinking and our living and our acting and our doing that we would be people not run by the world and the culture, but people run by the kingdom of God. Lord, that we would feel and experience and see your power manifest in our lives. And as we live under your word, 
and keep your law and, and, and keep your commandments, Lord, that we would see and experience your supernatural blessing in this area of finances. Lord, for those who have been uh, uh, praying and believing and seeking you for, for an outpouring or, or uh, a, a, a blessing in this area of finances, God, I pray that you would bring it in. And Lord, that you would help us to manage the responsibility well because to whom much is given, much is required. Help us to see, Lord, that what we have doesn't belong to us, but it's been entrusted to us by you. Lord, that we would manage it well and steward it well for your glory. God, I thank you for this church. I pray that you would bless them today. Lord, as we go out, we go out as your people, empowered by your spirit. Lord, just as you sent your son Jesus into the world, now he has sent us into the world. So Lord, we don't go out aimlessly or just wandering. Lord, we go out with a sense of calling and purpose on our lives to be your ambassadors, to be your people shining in this world, sharing the love of Jesus everywhere we go. We give you the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I do want to mention uh, that we have a table in the foyer where you can write a note to the Noise family and just bless them as they go, a little note of encouragement. That would be awesome. And also, if you need prayer today, we'll have some of our prayer teams down here at the front. If you need prayer for anything today, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you.